0: Hey, it's Brian. If you'd love to work in the sport industry, you're more than just a fan. In just 12 months, earn a degree that will bring you closer to your dream job, a master's degree in sport business at Newman University. You'll learn sport marketing, event management, social media communication, and so much more. Whether you've just graduated or been in the workforce for years, Newman's master's degree in sport business can teach you the skills that are in demand. I'm a big fan of this program. I've met many of the professors and students. I've spoken on panels there and loved the experience. They do an amazing job at Newman. They know what matters in the sport industry, and they are ready to teach it to you. So check them out today. Visit newman.edu slash sportbusiness. Two things. Newman is N-E-U-M-A-N-N. So it's newman, N-E-U-M-A-N-N, Business. Notice, not sports business, sport business. All right, let's start the countdown. Five, four, three, two, one, zero, ignition, liftoff. Hey, everybody, I'm Brian Clapp, VP of Content and Engaged Learning at WorkInsports.com, and this is the Work in Sports Podcast. Before we get into the stat line and today's awesome question, two upcoming guests that I need to brag about a little bit, highlight, I'm excited, I want you to be excited. Last week I interviewed Benny Tran, who is the Executive Vice President of Corporate Strategy and Operations at LAFC. Now, what's really cool about this, other than Benny's awesome, is that Benny came from a world outside of sports. He has a background in public policy, getting his master's from Princeton. He worked internationally for the Clinton Foundation, battling climate change and global health initiatives. Like, dude is a genius. I actually don't think I've ever been more intimidated for an interview. Uh, I was really afraid to say dumb things because I just know how smart Benny is. But enough about me. Benny is an absolute delight. Like, what an awesome guy. My fears were unfounded. He, it, it's just a cool, cool, cool conversation. When Benny came to LAFC, his big role, his big focus was on building the LAFC brand from scratch through the community. Like he has a very human-centered approach to things, a very community-centered approach, which I love, right? He really took the voice of the people and brought that to life through LAFC. And he also was behind... What's now known as Bank Bank of California Stadium, like building a stadium in L.A. from scratch and really building up that home base and, again, intertwining it with the community. Uh, It's such a great conversation. His discussion on the process and priorities of stadium construction and community involvement is really, really fascinating. What's cool, too, is that as much as I say Benny is like this super genius guy, he also has a nickname around the LA area at FC LAFC games. They call him Stadium Benny because he's so present and there and he's interacting with the people and you just you totally get that vibe from him. So enjoy that conversation that'll air on Wednesday. And today I finished interviewing Zach Moridas. That's why I'm a little late in publishing this episode. He is the founder and CEO of Teamworks and if you're a student athlete, you likely know about Teamworks. They work with over 100 professional teams from the Red Sox to the San Francisco 49ers, 250 Division I college programs from Alabama to Stony Brook. TeamWorks is the leading athlete engagement platform built by athletes for athletes. What is amazing is that their software and app make everything easier for elite athletic teams. It is a hub for communication, calendaring, health updates, all the different things that happened with itineraries and keeping student athletes and professional athletes really knowledgeable about what's happening in their life. It's a one-stop hub for everything going on in their day and interaction with all those people that need a piece of their time, from media relations and press things and you know everything, nutritionist meetings and and everything that goes into academics. Everything that goes into being a student athlete or professional athlete works through this hub of TeamWorks. And trust me, their product, it's not a wish and a dream. They're working with hundreds of division one programs and pro teams. So our conversation, I mean, I'm telling you right now, Zach is just a, a force. He is just a powerful figure. And when he and I were talking, he was getting fired up. I was getting fired up. Like there's so much to get excited about. And uh, he's an, he was an off, uh, offensive lineman at Duke. And one of the last questions I asked him was like, do you just want to sometimes, like I don't know, rip off the suit and go out there and hit somebody, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I do." So I just really love the conversation. So uh, check that out next week. So now with all that preamble out of the way, let's get to the stat line. No need for me to talk about my bracket being busted. I think that's just whatever. stat line. Stat number one. Now, what I do is every week on Mondays, I'm sharing three stats as pulled from the data of workinsports.com, the leading job board for the sports industry. I'm pulling that information and sharing it with you so you can get an idea of what's happening in the sports industry. Stat number one 22,716. That's the number of active jobs on our job board right now. That is up 3.1% since last week. We are still seeing the climb. There's a climb every year that tends to happen in January, but this year has been different than others because of the pent-up demand, and we're seeing that climb steeper than normal. The opportunities are out there. Get on the job board. See what's out there. See what fits for you. Research jobs. Understand what would make you the best candidate possible and get after it. Stat number two, 3,029 new jobs. Fresh new jobs added since last week in the sports industry. We've had some drop off because they've been filled. We've had more come in the churn rate is high. We're getting a lot in, a lot out. Numbers are going up. Everything's pointing in a positive direction. Stat number three, that means 433 new jobs on average are added every day of the week. That's a lot of opportunity. That's across the nation, but there's a lot of opportunity out there. So keep coming back. Keep checking the job board. Keep knowing what's out there for you. Find your match and lean into it. Okay. Three cool new sports jobs. That's the second part of the stat line. Every week I'm picking out three jobs that I think are cool or can tell a cool story and I'm going to share them with you. So job number one, Kansas City Royals Royals enunciating. I'm getting too excited. I need to slow down. I need to enunciate. The Kansas City Royals are hiring sales associates. Now, come on, that's a pretty standard job. It's not something to go jumping through hoops about unless for the last year we've had nothing to sell. Kansas City Royals are seeking aggressive, committed, energetic individuals to sell royal season ticket packages and group tickets. This is an entry level position with room for advancement. And if you're watching on our YouTube channel, my hands are raised above my head and I am celebrating because the sales jobs matter. You know people being able to sell the product and to get out there and to do something with our sports industry put it out there for people to see that's exciting for me i'm happy to see it happening teams are looking to the future and saying we need sales we need it to happen now so it's higher uh number two madison madison square garden sports is hiring a lead shooter and editor now for those of you not in the lingo on the content creation side, a shooter is a photog. It's a videographer. It's somebody who carries a camera around on their shoulder. That's a shooter. Um, when I was the news director of Fox Sports Northwest, I used to hire shooters all the time. We'd be out on the road, and we'd hire a shooter, a local shooter, to go out and do that. And whenever I'd come home and say it to my wife, like, "Oh man, I got to hire this. I got to hire a new freelance shooter. Got to check somebody out in this area," and she'd be like, "Why are you hiring a shooter? And should I call the police on you right now? And should the FBI be notified?" But no, that is a common term, shooter is not shooter mcgavin oh come on little happy gilmore reference you guys got to know who i'm talking about not shooter mcgavin this is shooter as in photog as in videographer i've talked long enough about this okay the shooter editor for the content production will be responsible for concepting shooting editing and managing content this position specializes in wearing multiple hats throughout the production hats hats throughout the production process not haps Including concepting, shoot prep, operating photo and video cameras, light design, audio, photo and video editing, creating graphic packages, and producing. Love these kind of gigs. I'm a content creator. This stuff just gets me geeked up. And imagine doing it for Madison Square Garden Sports. I mean, they have some of the most iconic properties in in all of sports. And number three, Under Armour is hiring a director of corporate strategy. Now, that may not fit for a lot of you. Probably wouldn't fit for me. I probably couldn't pull it off. But this was just a way for me to mention again that Benny Tran is going to be on the show on Wednesday, LAFC's Executive Vice President of Corporate Strategy. And um, I'm excited about him as a guest, and I want you to listen. So this is just another way for me to work that in. I will add this, though. This kind of thing, Director of Corporate Strategy, is the direction we are headed as a sports industry. More and more roles in sports have a strong business function. Sure, you maybe want to be on the player side. You may want to get into coaching. You may want to get into scouting. But that is 1% of the sports industry jobs. 1% 1% or less, there aren't many GMs, there aren't many scouts, there aren't many coaches. I mean, I'm not saying there's none, there's, there are, but it's not as prevalent as a lot of the business-focused jobs in our sports industry. So study up, learn business as it relates to sports, make your parents proud. And that is the stat line. Okay, today's question is from Nira in Illinois. Neera writes in, hi, Brian, good news. I had an awesome first interview with a sports company I really want to work for. Yeah. I used so much of your advice, and it really guided me through the process and gave me confidence. I researched. I reviewed my skills and accomplishments. I came up with stories that allowed me to share and exemplify my soft skills. Basically, I channeled you, and it worked. I got asked back for a second interview. So with that in mind, what should I do now Is it a totally different experience on the second interview? Nira, great, great question. I love it when I get asked things that we haven't really delved into before. How different is the second interview versus the first interview? How much does it overlap with what you've already prepared for? Let's get into it. Number one, frame your mind around this first, okay? If you were competing with, let's say, 25 people before, now it's like 10, and that's a good thing. You have to think of it as a funnel, right? So I'm diagramming now what a funnel looks like on our YouTube channel, which I hope you're all subscribed to. If not, you should. My bosses like it when you subscribe. When they see that new subscriber number tick up, they get happy. So so do I. So anyway, I'm, I'm diagramming a funnel, right? Okay, so we all know what a funnel is. If you imagine the top level is 500 people applied for this job, and then it goes down to 50 that got initial callbacks based on their resume and skills, maybe a phone interview or whatever. And then it goes down to 25 that got an actual first you know, video interview. And then it goes down to 10 that get the second interview. And then it goes down to like five and then one. You're pretty far along in the process. Get it in your head that you've been doing things right to this point. You have worked your way down the funnel. The competition is less. So get that in your head that you are doing things well. I think it's a frame of mind thing that you just need to remind yourself of, like, Don't let panic take over because the pressure is getting higher. Think to yourself, okay, I'm doing well. The competition is falling off and I'm still here. Let that give you some confidence and build you up a little bit. Number two, let's get into the process a little bit. You will meet in this process, in this part of the process, the second interview with more decision makers. There's going to be different people. There's going to be a cross section of the business. Let me explain to you how this works. A lot of times on a second interview, Your first interview may have been with an HR rep. Maybe your first phone interview especially was with an HR rep, and they have a set list of questions they're gonna ask you. Then maybe you had a conversation with the hiring manager, the direct person that you'll be uh, working for, right? So maybe your first video interview was with them. You got through that barrier, now they broaden. For the second interview, they're bringing in more people. You might talk with other department heads. You might talk with somebody above your hiring manager. You're going to have to understand, because they'll probably give you an agenda beforehand. They'll probably tell you you're going to be meeting with these people at these times or whatever. You're going to have more to research, because you're going to have to understand them and their background a little bit. If you're meeting with somebody that's a CFO, or somebody that's in finance, or somebody that's in HR, or somebody that's in marketing or operations, you want to be ready to handle those things. Most organizations work in cross-functional ways when they hire. At the second interview phase, when it's down to the top 10, they involve more people in the decision-making process. You have to be ready to talk to those people where they are. So if you're talking to the person that's involved in finance, understand and frame your mind that that conversation may be different than talking to somebody in marketing. There might be different types of questions they ask that relate to their world. So think about that as you strategize and go into this process. The questions may be similar, but different in that they are they are segmented to what this person's influence may be and where they sit in the organization. Put yourself in their point of view thinking, okay, if I was in their position and I was the director of this department over here, but I also knew I was helping to just dis- make a decision over here, well, what would I want to know, right? Think of your research in that regard and go look at those people, understand their background a little bit, really get a vibe for what those people are and what they what they what they bring to the table because they have a unique skill set and knowledge that they'll bring to the conversation that might be different than any you've had to this point. Point number three, lean into what was worked in the earlier interviews. You got to this point for a reason, right? Let's say you interviewed with your hiring manager and it's the person you might directly report to. The things you said worked. The points you made Think about that. Replay it in your head. Think about the body language that you got back from them. Think about the the lean-ins that you got or the nodding of the heads. Those were subjects that they really liked. Lean into that stuff. You hit their culture. You hit their needs. You hit their wants or your skill sets or whatever. The, The other people you talk to as part of this process are probably going to want to hear those same kind of things. Don't think of it like you're repeating things like, oh, I already said that. Assume they don't know anything about you. Bring back the hits. If you said some things during your first interview and you know that you hit the mark really well, be ready to bring it back, okay? Don't think that they all watched the video recording of your first interview. They probably didn't, right? It may not even exist at some organizations. Some organizations record. Other organizations don't. Some make it a requirement for them to watch it beforehand. Others don't. Just know If you hit the mark with something before, bring it back. Point number four, expect some repeats. Okay, so I am a hiring manager, but I am not the hiring manager for this role. When I get looped into a uh, interview process in the second round, I really wanna meet and know this person but maybe I haven't spent a ton of my time coming up with super specific questions for this role. I may have a format that I follow. I may have a format provided to me by, LinkedIn, by HR. I may have certain things that are given to me by the hiring manager they want to have asked. Don't be surprised if you're going to hear a lot of the same questions again. New people, same questions from a different voice. They want to hear your answer at that moment. Like they want to hear what you have to say in these things. They may have been told that, Oh yeah, she's this and she's that, or he's this and he's that they kind of want to hear it for themselves. So don't be surprised if you get some of the same questions and don't be caught off guard by that. That is a normal, normal process. Bring it the way you did in the interview the first time, add a little bit more into it that may help with this specific person and their role and related to them and their position. You'll be in a good spot. Number five, what did you learn? Go back. What did you learn in your first interview about them? So, when you asked follow-up questions, because I know all of you are smart enough to ask follow-up questions after your interview is complete, and they say to me, "Hey, do you have any questions for me?" I know you all had had, had good follow-up questions to ask. What did you learn when you answered some of their questions and they responded with positive body language or some sort of a, a you know some sort of a moment? What did you learn from that? You have to take this as an active participant. In that first phase when you were going through the interview process, as soon as you finish, you should be taking notes. Assume you're gonna get a second interview. Write down some notes on what worked, what didn't, what, how they answered certain follow-up questions. You may know their entire strategy now because of the smart questions that you asked. You may know their company missions, their goals, their future plans better now. Weave those into the conversation that you talk to with the next layer of people in your second interview. If you've learned that their biggest competition is company X, bring up ways you think you can make their role better than company X and what they're doing. How many you might approach things differently? If you talk to the CFO or somebody in finance, and you're talking about how you see revenue streams that they haven't uh, taken, that their competition hasn't taken on, and it aligns with the strategy maybe your hiring managers already talked about in your first interview, you are dialed in. You are going to resonate with them. So take everything you've learned and put it to work. It's not always about new research for a second interview. It's about applying what you've learned already and making that take action what you've learned about their culture, what you've learned about their mission, their strategy, their goals, their competition. Put those things to work, good stuff. Number six, expect the questions to be a little bit different and be more aligned with how you will impact their business if you are hired. So it's more visualizing you, a lot of the questions are more visualizing you if you were part of this role rather than just awareness about who you are. Here's what I mean. Instead of getting a question like, tell me about a time, a, gen- a general question. Tell me about a time you had to overcome an objection with, a, with an angry client. You know, that's a general question. That's something you might have given in, asked in the first round. And you probably gave a great answer. But now it'll be more like, what do you expect to accomplish in the first three months on the job? What do you think makes you a good fit for this role? It's more focused on you aligning with them. It's more focused on how you're going to fit versus your general skills or your general approach. It's gonna get more specific about how you fit. So be prepared for that conversation. They wanna see your vision for yourself. They wanna see how you fit. They wanna hear how aggressive you are. In my view, better to come strong here, (laughs) like really strong, I do. Show enthusiasm, be confident, right? You can be a change agent at this organization. You will make a difference. I fit because this. I want to achieve these things. This is what I see. It aligns with your strategy. It aligns with where you want to go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you're going to have a go-to-market video strategy, or you're going to be able to do, and we're going to do this, and I'm going to aim for that. Have an aggressive thought process and plan for yourself, and don't be afraid to lay it out there. It may not align with exactly what they want to do. That's okay. Don't overthink it. If you're aggressive and assertive and you give them an idea that you're competitive and want to get after it, they're going to appreciate it, even if they need to tweak the strategy some and put you on a slightly different path. That's okay. Tweaking is easy. You can't teach somebody enthusiasm. You can't teach somebody confidence. You can't teach somebody to have that go after it mentality. So bring that and show that you've got it. Number seven, expect salary to come up they're gonna say something to you and they're gonna put it in your corner. What's your expected salary? How much do you expect to make? My suggestion to you always is to be well-researched in this regard. There are websites out there you can use to research. There's ways you can understand salary requirements. There's ways you can understand what you deserve in this role be at that number, be at that range. Don't give it an exact, you can give an exact number. I should, I should take that back. If you give an exact and and specific number, um, I think that's actually a better approach. If you said something like, you know, uh, $87,000, uh, here's why, give it some background. I did the research here. Uh, you know, this is the marketplace and have your data with you. If you say something like a very exacting number, that gives a vibe off that you've done research. You're not just throwing out like, I don't know, between sixty and eighty thousand dollars. Well, they're gonna give you 60. You know, like have a specific number, have it be well-researched, throw something out there that you feel comfortable accepting. Expect there to be a little bit of a conversation and negotiation. Don't be too crazy aggressive at the start and um, be just ready for that conversation. Because in this phase, you're getting closer to them making a decision. Those kind of data points are going to come up. Number eight, final one, have a lot, a lot of questions prepared. Why is this important? You will likely be meeting with five to seven people, maybe more, different people at your level, if you were hired, mid-level managers, senior executives. Every single one of them is gonna say, what questions do you have for me? You're gonna go for 45 minutes with them and then you're gonna have, they're gonna say, what questions do you have for me? Spend some time now writing up questions, lots of different questions. Come with research. Come with ideas, put them all together, have some questions that fit that specific person, have them written on notes. The greatest advantage of, and I'm not trying to make light of the pandemic, but the greatest advantage of right now is that so much is happening on video rather than face-to-face. And what that means is you can stick a bunch of sticky notes all around your screen, all around your monitors, all around you with the questions you wanna ask. You don't have to recall them all in that moment when you're feeling a little bit stressed or agitated. Put notes all around you. You're on a video interview, they won't be able to see them, right? Just put the notes all around you. Be ready with lots and lots of questions. Don't just keep repeating the same one. Have it focus on their strategy. Have it focus on how you fit. Have it focus on where you're going. There's tons of podcasts I've done already about questions you should ask as follow-ups during an interview, right? But at the second interview, you're going to be meeting with more people. It's not about this one person that I have to have four or five follow-ups for. This is going to be about five or seven people that I'm meeting with that day. And they're all going to ask me follow up if I have any follow up questions. Be prepared with lots of stuff because you want to engage back with them and continue to learn. Remember, in this process, you're trying to figure out if you like work, the idea of working there too. It's, it's a two-way sharing of information. It's not just do they like me. It's do I like them. So make sure your questions are probing and get you there. Now, Nira, if you do these kind of things to prepare you, just like you did for round one, you did a whole bunch of steps to prepare you and it went really well. If you do these things, trust me, it's going to go really well for you. You're going to find yourself in that funnel again when it goes from 10 down to like two. And then you're going to be meeting with like the CEO, you head to head with one other person. Not head to head. You're not going to actually like be battling it out in the room, but it's going to be you and one other choice they have to make. And hey, then it's up to you to push that over the finish line. But if you do these things, you're gonna be in a really good position. So I hope that helps you, Nira. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please subscribe to the Work in Sports podcast. Share with friends. Tell other people we're out there. We wanna to continue to have incredible guests like we have been getting. I will tell you this little nugget. Both interviews that I've done this past week to set us up, Benny Tran and Zach Maritis, uh, both of them have come referred from previous guests. So the more we're out there, the more we're creating really good content, the more our guests enjoy the experience, the more the referrals come in for friends of theirs, people they know, think people they think would be a great match on this show. Zach Moritas, uh, he's Nita Srikant's boss. If you remember, Nita Streetcanth came on. She's a COO for Influencer. Incredible interview a few months back. He's her boss. And she said, you know what, Zach? I think you'd be really good on this. And Steve Delson, who was on the show prior before, who runs his own PR company, is the one that recommended Nita and Zach. And then Benny is because Joan Joan Lynch, fan favorite Joan Lynch, who's been on the show twice before, called me last week and was like, you need to have Benny Tran on. Let me introduce you to, he would be awesome for your show. This is how it works, people. This is how life works too, it's not just this podcast. If you do a good job, people will notice. And that's how networks grow. And that's how situations improve for you. Do good work, I'm saying this for you now, all right? But I feel it for myself too. If I do good work, more people come, our, our community opens up. If you do good work on your internships, on your entry level jobs, those people will vouch for you, those people that you're with. And that's what can make the difference in your career. So it's about you. Networking is about you. It's about the quality work you do. So keep that in mind. Thanks for listening, everybody. Benny Tran on Wednesday. Tune in. You're going to love it.